ministry's tendency is to get your heart to close. Okay. Um, like you can be hurt so bad, you can be rejected, you can try things so many times and they not work, or you know you prayed, and 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 so your tendency is your heart to shrink and to close, and so you you, you don't want people close, you don't want to show people your weakness, you, you're you're going to armor up, you're going to protect yourself at all costs, because the tendency, the drift is is to go close. What I'm telling you is counterintuitive. It's not natural. It's freeing. I will tell you, it's it's liberating, but the tendency is to close and, and to protect. And I think, you know, like someone said, preachers love crowds. They hate people. All right. Yeah. Like we, we love, we love crowd ministry. We just don't want individual ministry. I, I, I understand that your heart can close because you can get hurt. And, and the enemy, if he can do anything, he wants to wound you and he wants to give you a reason why you shouldn't risk or you shouldn't be open and loving and, and truthful. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are excited to have Tim Zuniga back on the podcast to talk to us about leadership. He is the pastor of Goodlettsville Pentecostal Church, just outside Nashville, Tennessee, and is a great resource when it comes to the local church. In this episode, we discussed a session he taught at the Urshan College Leadership Conference about leading in a post-pandemic world. We look at the roles that vulnerability and value should play in every leader. Before we get to the conversation, we want to encourage you to share this episode with a leader that you know or an aspiring leader because it will be a blessing to them. As you're currently listening, you're probably not following. Following us is the best way to stay connected and not miss an episode. To follow us on Apple Podcasts, look to the top right for the plus sign. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube to check out our video content. Now let's get to the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Brother Zuniga. Yeah, Greg, this is great to be back. I certainly enjoyed our last time we got together and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, so excited to have you back on. Uh, for those who may not have heard the first episode that we had with you, uh, that was episode 32. So I'll point you guys back there to hear uh, Brother Zuniga's story. He, he, he gave some great advice and just uh, one of my, one of my favorite episodes that I've been able to record on the podcast. If, if you can believe it, we're up to uh, the '90s now, Brother Zuniga. You were you're with wow. us back in the '30s, back when we were just getting yeah. started. <laughs> wow, and that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, last time you were on, we did audio only, and this time we've we've uh, made you hop on video as well. So it's it's great to have you on. Yeah, just uh, super excited. I love to see just what you're doing and it just exploding and, and growing. Uh, I'm happy for your success. Well, uh, earlier this year, I think it was this year, or maybe it was towards the end of last year, I think the actual uh, episode that I caught was uploaded to the Urshan College, uh, their podcast. It was uploaded at the beginning of this year, but I think you may, it may have been last year where you spoke at their leadership conference, Urshan College's leadership conference. And and you spoke on this uh, subject of uh, leading in the post-pandemic. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was a, a great uh, session, and I'll make sure to link it in the show notes of, of this episode. Uh, and so I wanted to have you to come back on to the podcast to talk about some of the things that you addressed there. But uh, before we get, get into that, would you mind providing a little bit of your leadership background, just for those who, who may not have 
heard the previous episode we had together. Yeah, um, you know, leadership again is you, it's a it's a journey. You develop, you grow, and I guess for me, just years ago, uh, even even in my teens, I just you know just never knew how to describe it. Really, never knew exactly what it was, but just never could quit and deny the fact that there was something in me that just really just desired this understanding of leadership. And so I can just journey this way back. I think really where it just began to click for me is someone gave a verse in Romans that said something like this, like if you have the gift of leadership, I think in the King James rule, but if you have the gift of leadership, uh, do it with all diligence. Mm. And man, that just, that just sank deep in my heart. Like, okay, man, if you, God's calling you to do this, and, uh, you know, lead. And, and again, I've not always been a pastor. I've served in so many different roles and served on staff and served different churches and been a part of other teams. And so it's not just a title, you know, it's a heart, it's a, it's a desire to make a difference. But really, I, I think that verse is an anchor verse for me. Like if you have the gift of leadership, if you're called to lead, uh, do it with all diligence. And for me now, again, just the church and being what it is in the world and how important that is, we need fantastic leaders. We really yeah. do. We need we need God appointed, God called, serious minded, those that that dare to believe and dream, and and leaders that are fantastic. And so, for me, you know, I can just trace it all back and just different roles, different titles, youth pastors, you know, all those different things. But you know, currently I'm a pastor. Been pastoring almost twenty years, and uh, and this is my first, and I hope pray my only pastorate. Uh, I've learned a lot on the journey, a lot of fails, a lot, lot of things that I wish I could do over. But here's what I can tell you. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be on the journey. I'm mm. so still so passionate about leading a local congregation. At, and just I, I can't deny it. That's that's something that really revs really hot in my spirit. Yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, who are some of the biggest influences on you when, when it comes to your view on leadership? Yeah. Um, you know, my pastor probably would be the first and, 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 and probably the one that initiated that. As I look back, there's no question his influence uh, in my life is indelible. His, 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 you know, his thumbprints are all over my life. And I'm so grateful. If you have a, a great pastor, a spiritual leader in your life, um, you know, that's a gift. And mm. I've been gifted with such a great pastor. Uh, without question, Brother Haney, Brother, Brother Haney, um, Bishop Haney would be one that just really influenced me in in my formative years of leadership development, vision. He definitely has a mark on me. There's a man that I followed, uh, Ray Carson. Uh, many may not know him, but he's the man that pastored in this congregation for 35 years. I, I still learn from him. He, mm. he was an amazing man, great Christian. I call him a pastor of pastors. He was he was all in. He was the real deal, and uh, certainly so grateful for him. You know, but there's some mentors and some, you know, people that develop you that they don't know you. <laughs> you, <laughs> you seek them out, you know, but you know them and you follow them. You let them teach you. And so without there would be some familiar names like John Maxwell. You know, no question. He's had a profound impact uh, on, on leadership development. Another name, uh, Bill Hybels would be another one. Um, probably currently uh, people like Kerry uh, Newhoff uh, just really just kind of adding to the conversation. But, you know, I'm grateful for all those that have played a part in my development, you know, and all those, uh, you know, Sister uh, Nona Freeman, you know, great missionary uh, of yesteryear, you know, man, she she influenced my heart for souls, lost people. Just wow. I could remember the day her, her prayer for me just shifted my life, my heart. 
Um, and I, I'll never be the same because of that. So, you know, every it's like there are people that play a crucial role in your life. And uh, when you look back, they're so grateful for them. I, I'm grateful for my leadership journey. I'm grateful for those people that have blessed me, influenced me, shaped me. Uh, I'm, uh, I, again, I all a debt of gratitude to them. Yeah. And are you uh, currently working on any books? So then uh, I can uh, <laughs> share that with the masses and we can, yeah, uh, we, yeah, can we can get you writing on leadership. You know, you, you yeah, teach man. it very well, but I would love to actually uh, read some of it, take it with me and share it with others. You're poking the bear. I, I mean, again, I've never said this. So again, again I don't know if this is the place that... But there is this. If you no one, no one listens. You, you. No, yeah, please, you know. yeah. No one's going to hear this. <laughs> you know, there, there's about, uh, you know, that idea that the pen is mightier than the sword. You, mm. you know, after great men and women are gone, uh, what remains is what they left in writing. That, that that has shaped generations and societies. And so there's something in me that is beginning to say, you know, not that I think. And please believe me when I, I don't think I, I can add to the conversation. I just want to be a steward of what God's put in me. You know, mm -hmm. if it never gets read, if it never does anything, it's not like I have this ambition to be a super writer. I, I just want to get what's in my heart yeah. and, and, and get it out on paper. And so part of that is just being a steward, whatever happens to that, that that's up to God and whatever. But mm. um, I certainly don't think I'm a writer. I certainly don't think that that's part of my gift set, but there is something I got to admit, that's just kind of lean into that, that, yeah. you know, there's something there that I need to really buckle down on. Yeah, well, hopefully you can you can get something out, and and then I can uh, drag you back on here, and we can talk you're about it once it's out. You're, you're way too kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the subject that you covered at the leadership conference, we'll dive into that. Uh, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, you're talking about leading in a post pandemic world. Um, now, I I really don't want to talk about the pandemic. <laughs> we we could touch on it I'm a little you. bit if we want to. No, we're, no, I'm good. We're sick of it. Yeah. But I thought the principles that you actually shared on were were timeless. You know, they they did uh, well, apply directly to life after the pandemic. But I mean, they could also apply to to other times in in life. And uh, so you talked about the V's of leadership, and I'd like to focus on two of them. You mentioned three, uh, so I'll say all three. But the two that I, I really want us to focus on today. Uh, so the three were vulnerability, value, and victory. Right or victorious. Yeah. No, no, victory. victory, right. But the two that I want to focus on today for the, the most of our time is vulnerability and value. I thought what you had to share on, on those two subjects were, were really good and, and different to what you normally hear when talking about the subject of leadership. And uh, one of the things you talked about was the, the false uh, perception that church leaders are perfect. And myself being a, a leader within the church, <laughs> I can vouch for that statement. Uh, that we that we aren't perfect, and and so because we aren't perfect, uh, you talked about the importance of vulnerability. W would you mind unpacking that for us? Why is vulnerability so important? Yeah, you know, uh, I just doing a deep dive, and and really, I, I realize that there's a lot of pressure in ministry, and one of those is that you you have to be flawless, pristine. You know, you mm -hmm. there's a, a there's a, a polishedness about you. Is that a word? You know, where you you can't show any weaknesses, no chinks in the armor. You know, there's no chips in the cup. It's it's this always on 24 seven. You know, you 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 do it right all the time. And yet uh, I've, I've lived and led long enough and I've been around enough great leaders to know that men in every leader, if they're really honest, they recognize there's a there's a, a brokenness about them. You know, and, and what happens is that we can't even talk about it. 
it, it's like there's no room for flaws. There, there's no room for weakness. There's no room for defects. There's, it, it, you know, and so you compound that with the pressures that I have to deliver top notch sermons or top notch, you know, leadership all the time. I've mm. got to have some great message that that makes people go wow. And man, the competition out there is is you know above our heads. You know, we're playing in the deep end, and so you, there's no win. You know, you, you can paddle as fast as you want to, but you're never going to get to where you think you want to go because there's just no win. And, and you compound that with just life, raising mm. a family, having a marriage that, that's loving, life-giving, hope-filled, you know, and, and then ministry and then doing – it's like you're pulled in all these different directions. And when that reality sets in, you know, you, you, you begin to crumble inside, but you can't share that. You, who do you say that to? Like, who, who do you tell? Like, I'm really struggling here. This I'm in a dark night of the soul. I, I need help. You know, we just never have let the platform be where that's can be honest. And, and we can say that without retribution, without feeling like, okay, you know, I'm backslidden or, you know, you need to, you need to get out of the game. And so uh, what happens is that we start, you know, just digesting all of this issues, pain, pressure, and we get wounded. You know, I heard somebody recently talk about, you know, we, we, we're really good at ministering out of our wounds you know mm. we, we, we we we're hurt and so man we we just begin to really push and uh and operate out of we can be mean we can be crass we can be hurtful we we can do things um uh because we're not whole we're not well you know and uh so it, it just it, i just want to have the conversation i know there it has to be some wisdom in that you yeah. know, you don't just go vomit on anybody and, you know, just throw up on anybody. And again, there's 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 some wisdom. There's some ways to do that, I think, that are helpful. But, um, you know, the truth is God never asked us to be perfect. Right. He, he never asked us that. So where's that in the Bible where he asked, you, you know, once you receive your calling, you know, you're done with sin. You're done with temptation. You're done with the flesh. You're done mm -hmm. with struggles. You're, you're you know, that's just not there. And so. Um, you know, I, I do think that God asked us to be honest, though. Yeah, you know, He, he asked us just to, to, to be honest, and so um, I just think there's a lot of pain, and, and that that's not mean you're debilitating or you're less than or you're not enough or you're really never going to to do it. But what what happens is we start leading unhealthy. It, it, what I like to call is like deceptively unhealthy, because mm. yeah, a lot of us are good enough where we can fake it. You know, a lot of us can play the game, go through the motions and you've seen it. Like I've heard stories of great men of God preach like these amazing conferences and, and there's sin in their life. It comes out later. You know, yeah. there's, there's known issues in their life. And, and like, why didn't we see that? Why didn't we hear that? Why didn't we feel that? Why didn't we know that? And yet the reality is you can get so good at your giftedness. You can you rely on your experiences so much that you, you know how to manage through it and yet falling apart on the inside. And so to me, I, you know, I'm not a therapist. Uh, I'm a leader, and, and, um, and, and I care deeply that we lead healthy. I think healthy churches stem from healthy leaders. And, and so to manage that is just so important to me to be vulnerable and, and, and just walk that process. And, and you talked about it a little bit there. You talked about how uh, in our vulnerability, you know, yeah. we can't just – dump on everybody <laughs> the struggles yeah. that we're facing or, or so on and so forth but there's there's a a way where it can be shared uh, appropriately our weaknesses our failures can be shared appropriately yeah. what do you mean by that yeah that's a really good question and i i've tried to do some thinking and listen to other great leaders you know um and, and so a lot of it i've learned or, or learning from others as well 
you know, Wayne Cadera will say, you know, we share things on, on the victory side of things. Okay. <laughs> like I, I can be, I can be vulnerable, but I'm going to share that on the, on the victory side. And, and there's a truth to that. Uh, what happens when you're in the middle of it though? You know, mm. what, like you're, you're going through that dark night. So you're, you're, you're fighting struggles, temptation, whatever that may be. And, and, you know, again, it, it hits different people, different ways. Is there people that you can talk to? You know, I've had conversations of people saying I have accountability partners, but you don't, you're not honest with your accountability partner. You know, <laughs> you, you, and, and I know questions invoke healthy conversations and I'm not saying that every, you know, accountability relationship is, is dysfunctional. But what I, I do know that, you know, there are really some things that you can share that help. And so I'll give you a couple examples. Like really it started with me when, when I heard like John Maxwell. So he's like in his forties and man, he is as busy. He's writing, you know, he's famous around the world and, you know, he's, he's sharing, he pulls back the curtain a little bit and he shares a moment where he's about to leave on the, on the, on the trip. And he tells his wife, he says, you know, I, I'm really battling lust. He said, I just, I just want you to know that. I just, I, I want you to pray for me. Um, mm. And and I need you to help me with that. And so, you know, man, when he said that, it's like, you know, you're not supposed to say things like that. You're not supposed to call it out. You know, that's 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 not proper. You know, you got to get trained up better. But man, I'm telling you, there everyone or not everyone, but a lot of those that heard, man, they, they just felt a, a life coming. Mm. They, they felt like, okay, you mean I'm not the only one? Yeah. You mean you mean you 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 battled those two? You mean you, you, and so, um, you know, just that reality, you know, for me uh, personally, you know, I've, I've had to kind of push away some things because of, uh, you know, maybe some uh, apps or some social media because of where I felt the drift was taking me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and felt uncomfortable and said, okay, that's, it's not the road I want to walk on. I, um, I, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable saying this when I get the privilege of talking to leaders and just try to be honest, you know, I'm not a, we're, we're all fighting the good fight of faith, right? We, right. None of us have this whip. And, uh, but man, I'm, I'm getting really, really good or more comfortable. Let me say it that way. I'm getting way more comfortable saying, you know, I'm a broken man. Mm. I mean, I, I want to lead at a high level. I, I, I want to please God. I, I want to hear well done. Not just one day. I, I want to hear well done today, you know, but yeah. man, I'm telling you, I'm a broken. I I know my failures. I know where I should be. I, I know the things that the enemy comes at get me. And and so, you know, I don't I don't say that to, to look for great. I say that to to help those that are hearing. You're okay. It, it's okay. It's okay to be tempted. Temptation is not a, a sin. It's when you give into temptation, that's the sin. It, it's okay to admit, like, man, I, I'm I'm battling fears or doubt or or lust. Uh, you know, that I, I'm battling like. I, I want you to realize it's okay. You're not the only one. There's others that do it. It doesn't make you less. It doesn't make you less God, called of God. It doesn't make what you do any less significant. Um, I, I think when we share things like that, when I've been uh, honest, there's just like tears start rolling down people's cheeks. Mm. They, they just, there, there's an openness. Like, yeah. I, I really get that. I, I, I understand that. Uh, just going a little bit deeper for me, like Sunday, we had a fantastic missionary, Brother McFarland from Ireland. He's, he's preaching a, a message, just encourage people to listen to it. It's, it's about just finding an altar. It's talking about altars. And, and, and he's talking in ways that I'm just so eye-opening. He's talking about altars. Like, you know, we, the altars are looking for a sacrifice. The Bible says you're baptized with, with the Holy Ghost and fire. Have you ever wondered what the fire is for? 
Yeah. The, the fire is, is looking for a sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I felt God just said, Zuniga, you don't have a sacrifice on the altar. Mm-hmm. And I just like, oh, God. You know, like, let the light of truth, boom, just on my heart. And I'm and just, you know, like, okay, God. I I I'm, I'm missing it somewhere. I'm I, I'm missing it. We, we we so you know I got to wrestle with that. I'm, I don't have an answer for that. I I I wish I could tell you. Yeah, and these are the three steps I did, and now <laughs> I have this great sacrifice on the altar. Right. It's going to be a, on my knees and my face before God. Said God, you gotta you gotta clean me up. You, mm. you gotta you gotta help me get this better. I I I, I our life is a living sacrifice. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. It's not a one-time, you know, I sacrifice a, a life that is with open hands, that God, whatever you you put in these is yours. And so, you know, that's 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 what I'm talking about. You know, just like I don't have it all together. I, I, I'm, I'm fighting this too, tr- trying to keep it between the lanes and out of the ditch. And yet mm-hmm. I want a revival church. Yeah. I, I, I want to minister in ways that transform lives and bring answers and and so, you know, it's, 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 uh, I say this too, just to kind of help. I, I think we impress with our strengths, yeah. but we really connect with people with our weaknesses. Yeah, I like agree. when I'm just sharing with you, any, any room that I'm in, if, if there's truth loving people, they lean in, mm-hmm. they get it. There's no pretense. There's no hard sell. They, they understand they they there's many times there's just the holy ghost sweeps in those rooms and man there there's people just crying out to god for strength for clarity for direction for healing there's there's so many leaders that need to be healed and and so you know you you have to dig deep sometime well i think that that openness when when you share that openness as a leader when you are vulnerable and someone that that a lot of people look up to and value uh, their leadership when you're vulnerable like that it's almost like a, a pressure is released. You know, we've all put this pressure on ourselves that we have to be perfect, that we have to maintain a, a certain level. And, and when someone is vulnerable and says, you know, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with something as well, as, as, as you just said, talking about sacrifice. And yeah. it's so important. I wanted to highlight this when you were talking about we're very good at being vulnerable on the victory side. Yeah. So once it's finished, <laughs> once we've gone through the season, and then now we have something that we can share as a result of that season. You know, we're, we're very good at being vulnerable then because of our, I'm already successful. I've already moved on. I've already, I'm, I'm going forward. Um, but providing that vulnerability in the midst of a trial or in the midst of a, of a season is it, just, to me, that was a revelation what you shared there because, yeah, thinking back to it, 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 is, it is true. Often when we are vulnerable, it's after... The fact it's not in the middle of the journey. You know what I'm learning too, Greg, is is that sometimes the most helpful thing we give people is a dilemma without an answer, mm-hmm. a, a problem without a solution. Like I don't know what to do. I, I'm not, I don't I haven't figured this out yet. But by the grace of God, I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like. That, that to me really opens up people like we're so used to bringing the solution with the problem. And I understand the value of that. There's a true principle in that. But, but I think there's also a truth that this is still a story that's unfolding. This is still and, and I'm, 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 I'm going to win. Yeah. I just don't have it all 
pretty packaged up yet. Mm. I think leaving some things unanswered, undone, is just as helpful sometimes. Yeah, and you talked about in the in the session, you were talking about how vulnerability is actually attractive as a leader, and, and that seems almost counterintuitive. It's like, you know, why... Why would me being vulnerable be attractive to others? Aren't I supposed to be the superstar, the superhero, the person that everyone's supposed to look up to? Why is that attractive? Well, because I think that's just, you know, being real. I think people want real. Uh, I think there's a statement that says something like people would rather follow someone that's real than, than someone that's always right. You know, uh, you know, again, uh, you, you just being real. People are not repelled from your realness. They, I think they're endeared to you. They, they mm. understand their own challenges and their own struggle. And so uh, I, I think to me that just, you know, lets people see you in a light that they can identify with, that they can associate with that. They, they get it that um, they, they understand that in a deep way, in a, in a real sense. But, but I, I, I understand also that, ministry's tendency is to get your heart to close okay um like you can be hurt so bad you can be rejected you can try things so many times and they not work or you know you prayed and and, and so your tendency is your heart to shrink and to close and so you, you you don't want people close you don't want to show people your weakness you you're you're going to armor up you're going to protect yourself at all costs because the tendency the drift is is to go close what i'm telling you is counterintuitive it's not natural it's freeing, I will tell you. It's it's liberating, but the tendency is to close and, and to protect. And I think, you know, like someone said, preachers love crowds. They hate people, <laughs> right? Yeah, like we, we love we love crowd ministry. We just don't want individual ministry. Mm. I, I, I understand that your heart can close because you can get hurt. And, and the enemy, if he can do anything, he wants to wound you. And he wants to give you a reason why you shouldn't risk or you shouldn't be open and loving and, and truthful. And, and so, you know, he, there, there is a true device there. Like I, I again, I, I bring this up in the lesson. And I'll bring it up now. You know, Paul writes something in Romans seven that you and I would never write, like you would mm -hmm. never write this about yourself. I would never write this about yourself. And, 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 but yet Paul puts it out there for all of eternity and, yeah. and it's famous words we all know, but man, when you think about it, would you write this? Like, mm -hmm. would I write this? Would I say these words? I mean, think of these words, okay? So I think it's Romans seven nineteen. He says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, the evil. Think mm -hmm. of that. He didn't call it sin. The evil that I, I don't want to do, that's what I do. Verse 20, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Notice dwelleth. Like, yeah. like. Like, you mean that's not a done deal? You know, that's not, no, 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 no. no that's I, present, it's, yeah. Dwell. It's, it's, a, it's a continual process. Mm. Like, would you write that? Like, I'm fighting sin every day. <laughs> Evil in me, I'm fighting that every day. That, to me, mm. that's, that's vulnerability right there in, yeah. in Scripture. That, that I just look at that verse with new lens. I'm like, man, let every word sink deep. Like, I, I want to do good. I don't do that. Like, I really want to go help people. I want to go reach people. I want to go start a, you know, I want to do all of these. And what, I don't do that. And we look at all the things that Paul did do. Okay, think about that. But he would tell you, there, there's so much undone that I never did. But the evil, which I hope I would never do, I did that more than I wanted to. 
you, you know, it's it's almost scary when you think of that. Now, again, I want to be clear. Paul would be the same one. You know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I, I think Paul is being vulnerable here for a purpose. He's wanting this. This is leadership is hard stuff. It's not just accomplishments. There's an inside game that you got to manage as well. This 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 flesh, this this heart, this inside man that that needs to live and thrive and be healthy. So to me, I, I just think just making sure that that we're inside is is stronger than our outside. Yeah, and that's powerful from from the Apostle Paul, and and it still rings true, you know, centuries later. Yeah. But sure. imagine how powerful it is when a person that you know is as vulnerable as the Apostle Paul was there. Like sometimes we yeah. allow Scripture to be the only thing that that preaches a message, but we can preach a message as well through our own life. And, and I think yeah. that's what you're really getting at here when you're talking about the importance of, of being vulnerable. There was a, a couple exercises that you talked about. I wanted to make sure that, that it gets shared here because I, I thought they were, yeah. they were brilliant. So you shared these exercises in that session. Uh, would you mind sharing them with the listeners of the podcast and, and they could they could possibly do them as well for themselves? Yeah, you know, it's a tool. And just to give credit where credit is due, it's a, a tool that I learned at uh, Global Leadership Summit years ago um, that really became a, something that I put in my tool chest as a leader because we work with people and honestly, we don't know how they're doing. Like they can be functioning, they can be getting their job done, they could be doing their what they're they're called to do and what their their roles are, but you, you don't really know. Like, are are they pulling their hair out? Are, are they like on, on the about to lose it? Are are they in a good place? Are they are they you know um, healthy? And and we don't know as leaders. You, you again, unless we're operating the gifts, you really don't know where leaders are. Okay, you don't know. And and so I did this exercise, and I get it. Give already gave credit where I got it from, but it it really deals with three areas. And and if I had a, I whiteboard this out, so I draw it out. But just imagine a line, straight down line, uh, a line that that just think of it, that's the inside guy. Okay, that's the inside guy. And so that you would draw a, a a line at your knees, you would draw a line at your heart. Okay. And so there's three components to there. And so, you know, the, the idea is below your knee would represent, you know, you, UC, which means under challenge. Like uh, you, you're doing what you're called to do. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You, you know, there, everything's being done, but you're bored out of your mind. You wish you had a better challenge. You wish somebody would tap into your your passion. You wish somebody would ask you, you know, what you really would like to do. You're, you're doing the job that you're called, they asked you to do, but you're really not challenged. You, you have t- something to give. You have time to give. You're under challenge. You're, you're actually getting bored. Okay. The, the middle section would be represent adequately challenged. Now with any of these, there's a range. Okay. So there's a range, but adequately challenged means, you know, good. Things are well, I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm asked to do. I'm balancing and, and, and really in rhythm with my life responsibilities, those that are around me, uh, you know, nobody's calling the cops. I mean, we're all good. You know, things are, are, are well, uh, I'm adequately challenged. There's a good pace in my life. There's a good, I'm, I, I've got joy. I've got excitement still. There's a, there's a enthusiasm about what I'm doing. I, I, I still love it. I'm in the game. You know, I'm thankful. You're just adequately challenged, right? You're, you're, you're you, you got to run hard. You still, things are, are, you know, again, they, they, they're counting on you to deliver, but, but you're adequately challenged. Okay. Well, well the top end would be dangerously over challenged. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, no one knows this, but man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like if, if I do one more thing, 
I, I'm done. Like, I, I'm so stressed out. I'm, I'm taking medication to go to sleep at night. Like, I, I feel so dry inside. I'm so lost. I'm still doing my role. I'm still doing my, but, but I'm, 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 if you really knew, mm. it, it'd be scary. Okay. That's, that's dangerously over challenged. Now, in, in a real sense, and in, in, in a lot of studies have been given to this, like when do we maximize our potential? Like when do we pull the best out of ourselves? Where, where is that area that, that, that just calls the best out of what we're delivering? It, it demands it. And man, it's just, it, it, again, you, where is that? So to, to be clear, and this is a lot of research and a lot of data and a lot of social scientists, a lot of all of those things. But, but honestly, that range is right uh, right in the beginning, the threshold of the dangerously over-challenged section. Like right right out of the adequately challenged, stepping right over that line and into the dangerously over-challenged. It's at that very area right there is when we produce the best of us, mm. where we're, we're running at our best speed. We're, we're delivering our best product. We're coming through with our finest uh, you know, things. It, it, we can't live there long-term but it's really where where a lot again. There's enough pressure. There's enough deadlines I got to meet. There's enough people waiting on me that that I, I'm pushing hard. I, I know this is not sustainable for the long term. But man, am I delivering great results? Okay, so that's it. So with that understanding, I, I ask people, where are you? Like mm-hmm. I can be in a room with pastors and leaders. I can be at a church with their staff, and 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 normally I'll ask for a volunteer. I said, can you just help me? I'll usually go first to give an example like, hey, this is where I feel like I am. So if I was doing it now, I would say, where are you, Zinniga? Where are you now? Uh, I think I'm on the top end of the adequately challenged. I don't think I've stepped through the threshold of the dangerously, uh, you know, uh, over challenged. I, I feel like there's a lot of things moving in my life, a lot of responsibility. But but we're delivering. I feel good. I've, I've put in practice some things that are keeping me sustainable, that, that are keeping me healthy at a good rhythm. So I, I feel like that's where I'm at. Okay. So I'll, I'll have a pen. I'll hand that to somebody. And, and you would be amazed what has happened and transpired. I, I, I give you stories where somebody comes up there and as soon as they put a mark in the dangerously over challenge area, they just begin to cry. Wow. And their whole team just looks at them like, we didn't know that. Like you, you are such a fantastic leader. You, you, you deliver. We can count on you. You're so steadfast. We had no idea. Mm. You know, you, you give the pen to somebody else, and they said, you know, I, I love what I'm doing, but they put their mark on, under challenge. Like I, 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 I don't think I'm being tapped out. I, I don't think I'm being asked to do my best work. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I've recently just, you know, with some leaders in our own local congregation, I just just slide the piece of paper across the desk and say. Tell me where you are. I, I don't know where you are. I don't, I don't know. You, you, everything could be rosy and everything great and your family and your marriage and your kids and your health and your mind, and your soul, your, you know, your money. Everything's great. You know, you, you could be fantastic be living on cloud nine. You could be drowning. You, mm. you're, you're gasping for air. I, I don't know. Would you be kind to me? And let me know where you are. It's eye, it's eye opening to me. And we're, we're good at portraying all three phases the same. We could present the same front and and be in one of the three different phases. There, there was another one that you mentioned uh, on on the uh, in the session, and I, I really liked it. You were talking about, um, I think it, it involved ten contacts sending sending a oh yeah 
text message out to 10 contacts. But I like, I like how you finished it. So, um, you talked about how, like, ask them. Uh, you explain it. I think you know what I'm talking about. Okay, it's so ironic. So I was with a young leader today that's transitioning, and and I, I use this very example. So this is this is so funny. So the idea, and that this comes from uh, the the CEO of AT and T when he's giving really a, just a company wide kind of uh, vision casting, you know, and he's talking about you know being good people, right? I mean, good soul people, truth loving, like you know, as best the world can in the business setting. You know, you're you're, you're trying to say it's not. We just do. We, we want to be solid individuals. We want good families, good lives. And so I, it's in that context. And so he said, you know, uh, there's words that matter that that I think over every month and words like courage and be brave and, you know, be kind. And, and these words are guiding lights. And he said, the, the way that I come to these these words is that, you know, I sent out a text to 10 people that know me, that are close to me, friends of mine, people that know me more than just, you know, casually. We're more than acquaintance. We're friends. And I asked them to send me just one word back that described me to them. Like, mm-hmm. like if you were to describe me, how, what one word would you use? You know, and so, you know, we get all these words in. And he said, you know, when I got all the w- words in, he said, what came to me was what's not there. Yeah. Like these are the people that know you best. These are the people mm-hmm. that are close to you. They, they, you know, they know your breath stinks. They, they, they know, <laughs> you know, but, but like what's not on that list? He said, from that moment on, I, I begin to create the list to make to make sure that what what my what I want my life to be, that I actually start focusing on those. So let's just say, you know, um, the word that I've been God, I, I want to be brave. I, I, I doesn't mean go killing a dragon. Now, where can I be brave today? What 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 one thing that I can do that would be a, a brave act? You know, it it may be being kind it may be asking for forgiveness it, it, it that that word if you just think about it mm. like where, where, where have i been brave lately you know what, what god where do i need to be brave where are you asking me to be brave you know whether it's a commitment where it's a sacrifice uh, for me you know god whenever that sacrifice on that altar help me to be brave Help me to be brave in that moment, God. I, I just a word. Maybe it's kindness. Maybe maybe it's. Am I really kind? Do do I really treat people the way? Do I really treat those that are closest to me right? Like, am I kind, or do yeah. I just think I'm kind because I'm altruistic and I, you know I just have flowery thoughts of myself? But those that live with me, you know, can't stand me. Like those words. So I I, I told this young leader, and I think this is the exercise: is you know, text ten people. Ask them to give you one word that describes you. And then ask yourself the real hard question. What's not there? Yeah. And what do you want to be there? To me, that's really eye-opening. Yeah, that uh, it's amazing, that insight. What's not there? You what's know, not there? What, what is it that, that people are perceiving from you, but you know you may think is there, but they're not seeing it, and it's important that, that they do see it. That, that's so good. And I would encourage everyone to, to do that. Um, hopefully not the same person is getting like a hundred text messages, but <laughs> it'd be good if we did this exercise. Uh, so that, that talk, that covers vulnerability. I wanted to finish off the episode talking about uh, the second V that you referenced, which was yeah. value. And, um, okay. and you, you took a broad, uh, you took a broad look at, at society as a whole, and then you narrowed it in on the individual. And uh, so I want to ask you this question. How does the current state of our society affect us when it comes to ministry and bringing value to people's lives? 
you know that uh, and that's a it's a really great question. It's a broad question. Um, you know, I don't know if I fully can give you you know the full answer. Meaning, I, I'm because I realize the world's complex. Right. I, I realize the world's unraveling, so to speak. There, there's a lot of issues at stake. You know, whether it's morality issues, political issues, racial issues, economic issues, educational. I mean, you, the, the list goes on and on. There's just seems no end in sight. And so as, as a, a people of, of God, you know, I think what we do, it matters. And so wherever we are, like wherever God's called you, wherever your job is, if you're in construction, if you're a teacher, if you work in the hospital, the education field, if you're in law enforcement, whatever, military, it doesn't matter. You know, professional sports, wherever you are, that, that you are responsible for being a light. That, that you can share goodwill. And when people see genuine love and kindness, they can't deny that. There, mm. There's something in the way that we are wired as humanity that we, we recognize genuine kindness and care. And when they see that lived out, uh, I, I think that becomes a light in a very, very dark world. I think that becomes attractional. I think that becomes something that, that they can't deny. It's not that we're preaching to them. It's not that we're condemning their sin. It's like, you know what? We recognize that in in these kind of uh, you know opportunities, kind of areas that we're we're living in, we, we can condemn, we can throw fire, and, and I'm with you. I get there needs to be righteousness. I I get that we need to have great teaching. I get that we need to be clear on what 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 is acceptable, what is not. I know the the water is getting muddy and murky. I get all that, but in our in our actions and in our, our our way that we position ourselves. I think being kind and true and truth loving and, and and humble and and allowing the Holy Ghost to lead and direct us, that's a hard. I think that's the answer for the world. Mm. I think that's how the churches thrive. I think churches that buy into that idea are going to make an impact on their community like they've never seen possible. Because the world is full of hate. Yeah, it's everywhere. They're angry. People are so angry at life, at jobs, at family. Dysfunction is the normal. That's what they know. They just know it's a, it's, man, it, it it's shoot or or die. I mean, it, it's it, it really is going to. This world is crumbling. It's caving in on themselves. They need a breath of air, a fresh breath of truth, of love, of kindness, of genuine concern and care about people. I, I pray that I, I as God every interaction. Lord, let, let, let me bring value. Let me bring value to that person because they are valuable to you. They're broken. They're not in line with your word. They, they're scars. They're banged up. We may, never, we may never have more than this one interaction, but, but I want to be kind mm. and, and I want to add value to them. I want, I want to do my part what I can. Yeah, and, and especially in 2022, 2023 going forward. Yeah. That that is the differentiating factor between the church and society at large, and I mean it's always been the differentiating factor: the, the fruit of the sure. spirit, you know, showing love and kindness, and you know, like genuinely loving people. Uh, I had uh, a, a the youth president of Ontario, brother Amani Nagama, on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we were talking about. He's actually uh, he was the first person I had on the podcast who's from Generation Z. And he's only wow. 21 years old, but he's yeah, God is using him in a powerful way, yeah, and so and he's the leader of his district in Canada. Yeah. And he was talking about that with with Generation Z that, um, man, just to get in an environment where people love them for them, you know, to get around people that are kind to them, just to be kind to them, not not trying to get anything out of them, not trying to you know do anything beyond 
showing genuine kindness, showing genuine love. Uh, he was saying, you know, that that's a huge factor right now with Generation Z because they're not used to experiencing that in, in everyday life. Yeah, you know, I, I, I could not agree with you more. And, and I say this again, another conversation I had today with a fantastic leader. And this is, I said, you know, you know what you and your wife need to pray? Pray this. Pray that God baptizes you with the love for people. Mm. Like, w- w- again, I know that sounds real sloppy agape, right? Really? <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm just telling you, the scripture says it like this. Let the love of God be shed abroad in your hearts. Like, let it run over. Let, let it begin to sh- touch every area. Ministry is challenging, difficult, at some level impossible to do without a deep love for people, again, without a true, genuine, and, and you can only love them with the love of God. You can't love them with a human love because that's a, an exchange. You, you, you do the right things, I'm going to love you. You mess up, and then I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> God's love is, is pure, and, and it, it, it has no attachments. Right. And I've been praying myself, God, give me a genuine love for people. Like every time I look them in the eye, they know you know what, man, God, God loves you. God, God's not done with you. God, it's not over. This, whatever you're facing is trying to get you back into relationship with God. And, and I want to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. I, I think every one of us, every one of your listeners, it, it, to, to say, God, I'm not doing this because I'm good or gifted or skilled. I, I want to do this with a healthy dose of the love of God, just oozing out of what I do. Mm. So good. You, you made this profound statement, uh, at least what I thought was profound, uh, in, the, in the teaching. You said, I don't want to just preach what is true, but I want to preach, uh, what I want to preach is something that is helpful and true. Yeah. So I don't want to just preach truth, but I want to preach something that is helpful and true. What do you mean by that? You know, I have this thought in my mind that every Sunday and every time I preach, there are people there that come in. They don't say this with their words, but they say this with their eyes. They're saying, Pastor, preach to me, scare me, make me laugh, humble me, move me, motivate me, inspire me. But whatever you do, don't let me leave here the same way. Mm. They're, they're begging for something to take place in that service that transcends their issue, their emotional state the problems or the battles or the issues at hand, they're, they're looking at me and say, whatever you do, move me, shake me, scare me, help me, do whatever, but please, whatever you do, please don't let me leave the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a strong motivator for me. And so I, I've been really trying to not set up easy targets. Like, you know, we, we, we we, we can get a good thought and, and, and we'll say something like, like that'll preach, right? <laughs> that, yeah. That's a power, but, but doesn't mean it's helpful. Okay. Mm. And again, a lot of times it is, I understand that, but doesn't mean, mean it's helpful. I, I, I want to help where people are again, totally led of the spirit. Totally. I think in every service you can bring deep biblical insight, deep biblical insight. Again, that's the only eternal part of your whole message. Your words, ideas, stories, thoughts, facts, antidotes are not eternal, okay? Those are just added to, but the Word of God's eternal. And so, again, we preach the Word of God, and I know that works, but there's a way to convey it and teach it and preach it where it draws people in. Mm. And you can hit people with hard truth. 
if you do it in the right way, then the spirit that that is 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 in a, in a receiving spirit or a spirit that invites them. And so I have this mindset like I don't want to set up easy straw men to easily blow over or easy or knock down. You know, I, I want to st- set up steel men that that are a challenge to knock down. I want to address things that are deep and meaningful and, and true. That there are single moms there that don't know how they're going to make it. There's a couple that, you know, they haven't had sex in six months and, and, and they're struggling. And there's an older couple wondering, you know, how long they have to still live together. You know, there's a teenager that's battling for their own, you know, do I believe this? Is this who I, and, and that's in every service. And, and, you know, I want to go and say, God, I, how do I reach them all? How do I minister to all of that? Only God in his spirit can do that. He can touch the hardest, callous spirit and the most sensitive soul in the building and online. I, I, he, he can do that. And when you're a vessel that says, I, God, I'm going to bring the very best. And what I call it is, God, I'm going to bring my two fishes and five loaves. Mm. And I just know up front, it's not enough. Yeah. I just know, God, it's not enough. It's, it's not going to meet the need. But God, that's all I got. And God, I'm going to give it to you. And if you'll bless it, there won't be a hungry soul in the building. I, you know, it, it matters to me that I, what I've been praying is, God, I want to be an equipper. I, I really do. I, I have a saying that, God, I want a heart of a pastor, a mind of a prophet, spirit of an evangelist. I, I want those components to dwell deep inside of me, to minister to those lives and those individuals that you have put under my care. And I want them to know when it's all done. I've done everything I can to give you my two fishes and five loaves. So, you know, that, that, I guess that, I hope that answers your question. Oh, it but does, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't want to preach it just because it's true. Yeah. I, want, I really want it to be helpful. Yeah, and I think those who have the ability to preach, teach, um, we should think about that when we're putting a message together that, hey, is this just, preaching a point is this just bringing out a biblical concept which is good um but at the end of the day is it helpful along with being true truth is yeah. truth is truth um, but we can deliver it in such a way that it um it actually helps the individual that that is hearing the truth and, and doesn't cause them to be closed off you know we've all heard preachers that 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 preach uh, with vulnerability openness and then preachers that preach really hard and and some of us tend to not respond so well to preachers who preach really hard. Um, but I guess there are times where that, that might be necessary. But the other aspect that you addressed when you were talking about value, uh, you didn't just talk about the value of the congregation, the value of individuals outside the church. You know, those people are valuable. But you made sure to mention that leaders need to understand their own value. Uh, why, why is that so important? Well, I, it's like you think of Jonah, okay? Like in Jonah, he's the problem. So let's throw Jonah overboard and let's save the, the ship, right? Jonah's not the problem. Jonah's the answer. Mm. Okay. The, 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 the story is not about Jonah the book, uh, or the whale. The, the story is about Nineveh, right? Mm. And, and so, you know, in, in my mind, I think leaders need to understand you're, you're not the problem. You're the answer. And you, you need to, again, you can get into the idea where, you know, uh, you can get haughty and cocky and arrogant. I get all that prideful. Yeah, we, we battle loads of that. But, but there's another part that, you know, we need to recognize and honor that God has chosen you, that, that you bring something to 
the, this world, there's not another one of you in all the planet. There's now over 8 billion people and there's not another one of you. That's a rare, that's a rare find. Um, I, and by the way, I say that to my children. I, I tell them that, that, you know, of all the people God chose you, 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 mm-hmm. you, you, you know, God, God has a plan for your life. You have value. You can be a leader, not someday today. You can, you can make a difference. You, your kindness. I, I do think that when we, we understand how valuable we are, we look at opportunities different. There's something about that that brings a confidence and a clarity that 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 you realize you 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 walked with a different way of not an arrogant again I mean this not not prideful I know we, we battle that but with just a humble confidence that you know what God you want to partner with me today to make a difference how, how are you going to use me today like that's a prayer God will answer every day mm. you want to pray a prayer that God will answer God how do you want to use me today right and and when you when you realize that you you add value and you're bringing value. Uh, I think it just changes the way you look at opportunities. I think it changes the way that you look at life. I think it changes the way that you perceive what God's doing. Um, just imagine the other way. If you think you're not worthy, think that you're not enough, and think that you don't have the goods, and think that you know no one wants to hear you, does that not affect the way you lead? Yeah. Does that not affect the way you communicate? Obviously it does. Yeah. And, and, and you also talk about uh, there's there's two things that – can rob us of our value. So it's important that we, we see that, that we are valuable. Um, but you said that there's two things in particular that can um, rob us of our value. What were those two things? Yeah, the two things are, are shame and, and uh, comparison. And to be clear, you know, I, I don't think these are original with me. These are just my learning and just trying to to understand that what works against us really is the shame. And shame is not you know, I did bad as I am bad. Like mm-hmm. I, I, we, we call it impression management. Like, you know, we, we will let you see what we want you to see. But if you ever really saw the real me, you, you wouldn't like me. Okay. That's shame. That, that shame that is constantly fighting through. And it's amazing how many people fight shame. They, they, something of their upbringing, something of their past, you know, again, whether just to be honest, you know, you, you, you've de- I've dealt with people, you, we've all dealt with people that have had, you know, something that was sexually done to them as a young person, you know, or young age, and, and it, it, it follows them. They battle that. They, there could be some things that they've done themselves that, that just begin to hang over their heads. Uh, I, I realize it can be crippling. It, it's debilitating and, and it, it makes you check. I, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to give. I, I've prayed that prayer. I've asked God to forgive me. And, and I, I'm here I am again. And so shame keeps you, keeps you in the corner. Shame will, will take you out of the game. And so I, I think that's one thing that works against feeling valuable. And, and that's why, to me, again, Paul saying, I'm the chiefest of sinner is huge. Yeah. It's huge because, you know, it's not that he got your list of sins and someone else's list of sin and his list of sins starts doing <laughs> an, an analysis. I'm going, oh, I'm one here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, I, I trumped all of you guys. I got all the worst sins. It, 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 no, it, it's a fact that when he understood the grace of God in his life. Yeah. I'm, I'm just the worst sinner among us. So that's one. I think comparison is more natural where, you know, there's something that, you know, we always looking over our shoulder and we compare ourselves among ourselves. And Paul says, that's not wise. It's not wise. You don't win at the game of comparison, but you're all in it. We, we want our, our ministries to be the best. We want to do the best preaching. We want to be known. We, we, this comparison is just a no-win game. Um, I think maturity helps a lot with this when you yeah. just realize, you know what, I, I'm, 
I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm grateful. I'm going to keep trying hard. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to play big league ball. But I realize, you know what? There's always going to be a er out there, bigger, smarter, <laughs> taller, richer, prettier, right? There's always an er out there that's just going to outdo you, and you're never going to win that. I do think those two things uh, really work against us, feeling like we bring worth and value to this. Well, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. I know it, it will be transformational for the listeners. I, I really do believe that. I believe that the Spirit of God has been working throughout this conversation, and, and uh, I think it's going to help a lot of people uh, work through issues, uh, become uh, better leaders, become better followers. So I really do appreciate your time and, and setting that aside and, and coming on the podcast to talk to us about these really important issues. Uh, I like to finish these conversations by uh, giving our guests the opportunity to share a parting word. So if there's anything we haven't touched on or anything you want to add to what we've discussed today, Brother Zunica, if you could finish off uh, the podcast. Thank you again for your time. Yeah, Greg, again, an honor to be with you. I love you and, and so grateful for what you're doing. And I just pray God's best upon you and bless your thinking and bless you got open doors. And so just honored to be here. Um, and again, I pray that anything I've said have encouraged people and then just strengthen their leadership. I care deeply about the local church and local leaders. And so grateful to be a part of that. Um, I, I think I'm going to come back and close my thoughts with this idea of, of altars, I guess that's just where I'm at in a more in a vulnerable place. Um, there, there's a lot of hard work ahead for Tim Zuniga, mm-hmm. and and you know, there's part of me. Uh, some people say I don't I, when I pray, I don't want to hear the voice of God because I'm afraid of what He's going to ask. Um, you know, there's a truth to that in in that message that I was re- referencing. He said a statement. I think it goes something like this. God will not open a door that is greater than your altar. And and I feel like God is ready to do so much more with my life ministry. And I realize I've come to a a crossroad. And um, this idea that leaders have diminishing altars, our our altars are getting smaller in our lives. Just think about that. Just, you know, when's the last time you said yes to God, no matter what? And, and so my encouragement to every person that's listening is that you would, you would find your altar. You would make sure there's a sacrifice on that altar. And um, what, that may be a financial sacrifice. That may be a career shift sacrifice. I know it was for me at one point. It may be a relational sacrifice. Like you don't, you don't need to be dating that person. You need a friendship sacrifice. It, it, again, I can't say what it is. God will not open a door for you where your altar cannot equal that. And so, if you don't mind, Greg, I'm going to pray. I don't know who will listen, but I'm just going to speak over them. Lord Jesus, I just want to say thank you, God, for this moment. Thank you for Greg. God, his leadership, his influence, it's grown. You've heard every word of our conversation, God, and we're just, we're just flesh. We're, we're broken leaders that want to get it right so desperately but yet we're challenged again God there's there's not a tactical and strategy session God this is a true humbling ourselves opening our hearts and say God you're calling me you've chosen me not to fail not to fumble not to fake you've called me God to lead well and God I know Lord there are those that are listening that just need to be reminded 
God, that their altars are, are shrinking, diminishing. So I speak over myself and everyone that's listening, God, that there would be a sacrifice on that altar. I pray that you would help us discover that, know that. And in that moment when we know that we would be brave to realize that, God, you will never ask us to do something, God, without knowing what's ahead. So I just speak for the courage to trust you. And bless everyone that's listening. Bless my friend Greg and his family. Jesus' name.